I'm still glad that there's a church that still looks like a church. And there's a church that still sounds like a church. And the Lord's been so good to us. Thank God for who He is and what He's done for us. And we are the Lord family. That was uh, my wife on the piano there. And uh, my two girls. And the Lord called us to Albania. My very first trip to Albania, I had no idea if I was even saying the word right, much less did I know where it was. In uh, 2011, I got a phone call from uh, my pastor, Brother Mike Norman, and uh, Brother Dean McNeese had gotten a hold of him, wanting some men to go to Albania. And so uh, I was scared to death. I, I tell this all the time. I had never been past the Georgia-Tennessee line, Chattanooga, as far north as I'd ever been. And uh, here I was with an opportunity to go on an airplane and fly to the other side of the world. Albania being over there just across the Adriatic Sea from Italy, just north of Greece. And I was scared to know what to do. And uh, the money came in for me to go, bought my ticket, got on that plane and got over there. Come back with a burden to pray somebody would go. And uh, about a year later I got a phone call that one of the men on the trip with us had surrendered to go and I said, well, there we go. I, I've been there. I know how to pray. I, I've, I've seen the, the landscape. I've seen the people. I've seen the situation. And so I left it at that and I just prayed for somebody to go. Somebody's gone. I said, all right, everything's good. And through about another year and a half, two years later, the Lord just kept dealing with my heart about Albania. And I surrendered to go in 2014. We started full-time deputation traveling, trying to raise money to go 2015 and moved in 2016. The Lord gave us enough support to go and been there now just shy, just one month shy of six years we've been in Albania. And uh, since we've been there, the Lord has allowed us to start a church. And our brother Tate's been there, preached for us in our church. And uh, just to see all that God has done for us and to see what God has allowed us to do for Him, just to, uh, just to be able to stand and tell somebody about Jesus. What an amazing life to be able to tell somebody else what Jesus has done for you, and what Jesus has done for me, and God to give us this opportunity to go and tell somebody else, and He's done the same thing for you, whether it be uh, here in this town or somewhere else, God's given you an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. And we're so thankful for that, and thankful to be here this morning, our first time here, and uh, come in this morning, sat down, and and was welcomed right in, not, not as a visitor, but as a, as a, as a family member. Y'all made us feel uh, felt welcome this morning. We thank you for that. And uh, just thank you for being so good to us and letting us come this morning. Brother Tate, so honored uh, that you'd let us come and be here. Let's grab your Bibles this morning. Let's go to John chapter number 15. John chapter number 15. I will uh, mind the time this morning. Uh, preacher mentioned fried chicken. And I uh, thought about taking up my phone and setting a timer that said fried chicken on it so I'd know when a good time to stop was. You don't, you don't get a figure like this from not eating. And so when somebody mentions food, my preaching time gets shorter and the food time gets longer. All right. John chapter number 15 this morning, verse number 1. Jesus is speaking here. And he says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him the same, bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Verse 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. He says here, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said these words, ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Let's pray this morning. Father, we are so thankful God, we are so grateful this morning, God, for you being so good to us. And God, in spite of who we are, Lord God, you love us. And God, you're there to help us and Lord guide us through this life. God, I thank you for this place this morning. God, I ask just for these few moments, God, that you'd help us. God, that you would touch us. And God, that you would touch, Lord God, the congregation this morning. God, touch the words that have been read from your scripture this morning. God, I pray that they would not return void this morning, God, but I pray that somebody this morning, God, would get some help from your word. God, I thank you for giving it to me, and God, help me, God, to give it to your people as you would see fit. God, things I need to say, God, put them in my mouth. God, things that don't need to be said, I pray that you'd shut my mouth. Father, we thank you so much. God, be with us now. Touch us and help us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to... Take my text this morning out of verse number 4 where Jesus is speaking and he says, Abide in me and I in you. But I also want to look just as an introduction this morning. We see here that uh, verse number 1, he says, I am the true vine. There are seven times in the book of John where Jesus is speaking and he says, I am. We find in John 6.35 where he says, I am the bread of life. And we know there he's talking about uh, those men that were talking to him were talking about Moses sending down that manna from heaven. And Jesus said, but I am the bread of life. And we find in uh, John 8, 12, it says that I am uh, the light of the world. We do not have to walk in darkness because of who he is and uh, what he's given us. In John 10, 9, it says that I am the door talking uh, about the sheep being able to go in and out. And he says, I'm, you must enter in by the door. I am the door. Uh, John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. And uh, being in Albania, we've learned to realize what a shepherd really does and uh, to see how a shepherd has to live on the, uh, there on the, in that country and going up and down the mountains when it's raining, the shepherd's with his flock. Uh, when it's hot outside, the shepherd is with his flock. And we can see uh, just as a picture how good of a shepherd that God uh, really is to us. And he says, I am the good shepherd. 
John 11, 25, it says, I am the resurrection life. They're, uh, they're looking, uh, Mary and Martha's looking at Jesus saying that you're late and uh, uh, Lazarus is dead and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. They were, they're, they're looking around saying, well, I know that he's going to resurrect one day and Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. We know that in John 14, 6, he says that he was the way, the truth, and the life. But here, he says, I am the true vine. And then he says in that verse number four, you must abide in me. He said, I'll abide in you. And that's what I want to preach this morning. I want to give uh, uh, just a few definitions here. Verse number one, that husbandman, that is the one uh, that takes care of the garden. It's the one that goes uh, when he sees weeds beginning to grow. He's the one that goes and pulls out the weeds. He's the one that uh, when he sees uh, something begin to uh, wilt over, he'll uh, pick it up and stand it up or he'll water it. And we know that he's talking about here, Jesus saying that my father, he's talking about uh, God himself. He's talking about he is the one that comes down and he takes care of everything that is going on. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind that we serve a good God. There's no doubt in my mind uh, that God knows exactly what he's doing in my life and in your life. Sometimes we are confused, uh, but God knows exactly what he's doing. God is a good husband when he comes by and he takes care of us and gives us exactly what we need as a father to my children uh, I, I may not be the best at this but uh, sometimes they'll get hurt and this is what I'll say to them well you shouldn't have been doing that if you hadn't done that you wouldn't have got hurt but here's what they want they, they want me to go pick them up and, they want me, and that's exactly what God does to us there, I, I can't think of one time when I've gone out and made a mistake and when I've gone out and tried to live life myself and I messed up. There's not one time that God said, well, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have went. But God was there every time to hold me and to pick me up and to love on me and to guide me and to direct me in the right way. And he is a good husband. What an example we have in our word of God today that God is such a loving, such a caring God that we're to abide there means to just simply rest or to dwell, to stay in. Jesus speaks here and says, if you'll abide in me, if you'll stay in me, he said, I'll stay in you. We was talking this morning in Sunday school, the uh, preacher was teaching there and uh, talking about that, what you reap and you sow, and, or what you sow, you reap, and, and uh, talking about making the mistakes. and talk. But if you'll just stay with God, I, I promise you this. I got out of church for about a year and a half. I was a young teenage boy, and I tried to live life the way that I wanted to. I was, I was 15, about 16 and a half, somewhere in there, and I tried my best to live life the way that I wanted to. I thought that I had knew more than God knew. I thought that I could live my life and make it without God being in my life. Got saved in church at the age of 12, went to church. Now, we was in church every Sunday as a little boy. Things began to happen, got out of church. Try to live life myself. I was not abiding in God. I was not letting, I was not letting myself live inside of Him. Even though He was still there in me, I was not living like He was living in me. Made that mistake. It's my problem. Something I gotta deal with. But thank God that He came by one day and let me know that I was out of His will. Let me know that I was not living right. Got things right with God. Can I say this this morning? You may not be living the right life. 
You may, you may not be going down the right path. You may be putting on the, putting on the right clothes. You may be sitting in the church house this morning, but God may not be abiding in you and you may not be abiding in Him, but there's a time to get things right. And He'll abide in you. You need, you can rest in Him. And then we look at this word purge here and then we'll get into the message. This simply means to cleanse, to clean or to purify, to separate. It is to carry out, it's to get rid of. And can I say there's some things in our life that we need to purge. There's some things that we need to get rid of. Uh, I, I, I've learned in my life that when I try to hold on to something, it's a lot harder for me when God has to take my hands and pry them back to take those things out of my life than it is for me just to simply open up my hands and open up my life and give God whatever it is that He's asking for. Uh, there's things that we need to get out of our life, but for some reason we want to hold on to those things. And all they are is hurting us and messing us up. We'll get into the message here. Verse number four, abide in me and I in you. Number one, I want to say that there must be a relationship. There must be some sort of connection. When we're talking about abiding in something, we're talking about being uh, hooked up with something. It's, it's just as if uh, uh, you was to take your cell phone and it be dead and you plug something into the wall, that's great, that's fine, but until you plug that cord into your phone, there's no power, there's no connection, you must put something in there, It's the, the, the plug has to go inside the phone for there to be power to get to there, to retard, and that's exactly what God does in our life. If we'll abide in Him, He abides in us. What He's doing is He's charging us, He's giving us what we need so that we can go out into this world and tell somebody else what Jesus has done. We must be connected. We must have that relationship. It's like a, uh, like a chain that's put together. It's linked together. There's no breaking it apart. And that's exactly how that relationship with Christ ought to be. It ought to be so strong that can't nothing break it apart. It ought to be so strong that this world can't distract us. It ought, it ought to be so strong that this world doesn't come down and drag us down and put us down into depression. But, hey, I understand that this world is like it is today and that there's uh, there's wickedness all over the place. But if our connection with Christ would be what it ought to be, uh, then we'll be just as strong as He wants us to be. He'll, we'll get plugged into Him and get that power that we need in our life. It says here in verse number 1 and 2, says, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. In my life, I, don't, I do not want to be one of those that's not bringing forth fruit. I don't ever want to have to be disconnected from God because of the life I've chose to live. I've, I've been there, I've done that. I promise you, church, it don't work. Living life for yourself don't work. It's not a life that is desired to be lived. It's not a life that should be desired to be lived. But I tell you this, I, I've learned that serving God, I, I got right with God, got in church, began to serve God, began to lead the singing at our home church, led the choir at our home church. Uh, I'm telling you, just begin to, I gave my life to God and said, whatever it is that you want me to do, God, I'll do it. I'm not bragging on myself this morning. I'm trying to tell you what God's done. God's hooked some things up. Not only in my life, but around me. I've been able to see God do such wonderful things. And if I hadn't given my life to God when I did, I may not have been able to see the things 
and have been able to see God do. Talking about getting, we're not, we're not just abiding me and, and uh, what, what did he say there? Number, ver, number four. He said, abide in me and I in you. But it's not just a simple thing of Christ abiding in us. But it says here, it's like a two-way fold. It said, you got to abide in me. We always want the goodness of God. We always want God to bless us, don't we? Am I the only one in here that says, Lord, I need your help today. God, I want... Uh, Lord, I need your blessings. God, I, uh, some, I, sometimes we're down in the valley and God, I'm so, di- I'm just so down. God, I'm tired of being down in this place and God, I want your help today. But it says that we need to abide in Him. How is it when you go down to your job? Are folks able to see Christ in you? Before we went on deputation, before we surrendered our lives to go to Albania, I worked a job. And uh, man, I, tr- I tried my hardest to be a Christian at work. And those men, they would lie on me just to see what I would do. This is what they'd say. I, when I was a teenage boy, I'd, I'd say foul words, thinking that it was cool. When I got right with God, I said, God, if you'll take that out of my mouth, I'll never say another one. And those men at my job, they'd say, oh, man, y'all should have heard Tim today. He was, man, he was letting them rip. He was letting them go. They was trying to, they was trying to get a reaction out of me. And I'd say, fellas, look at here. You ain't got to worry about me saying anything to you. I said, if any of you men believe that I'm saying words like that, get saved going up there and let the Lord Jesus tell you that I'm not saying those words at work. And those men, that's what they'd tell me. They'd say, hey, Tim, you ain't got to worry about it. I didn't believe a word they was saying. And it's because there was a connection. There was a hookup. There was something there that I knew that I could not live like this world. And I could not speak like this world anymore. I couldn't act like this world anymore. Hey, they sometimes, folk, want to walk into the church and say that the church folk are crazy. Hey, if this is what crazy is, then call me crazy, but I love serving God. I like serving God so much, I gave my life for it. Go over there and tell somebody else about Jesus. Come back to America, go to churches and tell them about Jesus. Man, what an amazing thing to be able to do. But not only does God hook us up with himself, but God will hook us up with others. You know, God will put people in your life that will help you and encourage you just when you need it. I remember last year, the month of, month of May, June, July, and August were some of the hardest, hardest months of our life, hardest months of our ministry. And just right on time, God sent Brother Tate Wagner over there to Albania. Brother Josh Williams brought him over there. and We was going to have a special Saturday night service at our church. And I was looking at Brother Josh, and I kept saying, he, he has, he, all the men that were with him were preachers. And I said, I have no idea who to preach in that special Saturday night service. I said, I'm just going to pray on it. Well, Saturday rolls around. I still didn't have anybody on my heart. I didn't have Brother Tate's number, and I text Brother Josh Williams. And I said, hey, ask Brother Tate if he's interested in preaching tonight. I'd never, never met him before that trip, didn't know him, didn't know anything about him. Brother Tate got up that night and God connected us together, preached the exact message that my wife and I needed during that time. I'm talking about help to us. I I didn't know nothing about this man, but God hooked us up because I abide in him because he abides in him and he abides in us. God put us together. God hooked us up. God connected us together. You know, that's what God will do in your life. You might be sitting here thinking, I'm all alone. I ain't got nobody to help me. 
But God will put somebody in your life, whether it's at your church, whether it's at the job site, whether it's down at the God will put somebody in your life that will help you at the right time. If you'll just abide in Him, you'll see how God will work things out in your life. I had to learn a long time ago to quit trying to make things happen and quit trying to work things out the way I want them to, that God will let them happen the way God wants them to happen when it's God's timing. There must be that relationship. There's that connection that must happen. Then we see here that there is a reason. There's a reason. There's a cause, we could say this morning, that you must abide in Him, verses 4 and 5. He said, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. My wife's Paul, he had a, uh, on the back side of his property, had a, a very large grapevine. And I never understood why he would want a grapevine. I, honestly, I thought that's the ugliest thing I'd ever seen. To pull up in his yard and you see behind his yard just this big old uh, green, uh, uh, green thing with grapes growing on it and then... Uh, then during the off season, it was so dead and rotten and nasty looking, not thinking. I, well, the first time I saw it dead, I said, that thing's never going to bloom again. That is the ugliest thing to have in your backyard. Well, we wait till the season comes around and what's happening? He's out there, he's, he's got those pruning uh, shears or scissors, whatever they're called, and he begins to cut the old stuff off, cut the stuff that he knows. Now, I didn't know anything about it. I'd have cut the whole thing down. It all looked dead to me. But he goes out there and he knows exactly what to cut, exactly where to cut, exactly how to cut, and he takes those things off that ain't going to produce anything, and he removes all those things and exactly out the words in here, he'd have a little fire put out back and he'd throw all those things in there. Uh, I mean, not knowing anything, I'm thinking, why is he wasting time on this grapevine? That's what I'm thinking in my mind. Why would you waste time? This thing looks dead. It looks rotten. Burn the whole thing down. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. But I knew nothing about the vine. I knew nothing about the grapes. I knew nothing about the process of what had to go on here. And we'd go over there and we'd watch them and they would, all of a sudden the season would come and they'd have grapes galore. They'd have so many grapes they'd have to bag them up and try to sell them. They had so much or give them to family members. They'd, they'd have, and I'm sitting here thinking, how in the world I, I, I would have cut the wrong thing. I'd have burnt the whole bush down. I, I wouldn't have had any grapes if it had been up to me. But I'm glad that we got a God this morning that knows what needs to come out of our life. Can I tell you this? There's things that's in our life. We think that they're good. We think that they're not hurting us. But God will take those things out. Uh, the, the world looks at you and says, why do you do what you do? Why do you go to church on Sunday? Why do you go to church on Wednesday? It's because i got to get things out of me so that God can put things in me. That's exactly what the husbandman does. That's what God does during a church service. God goes around up and down these pews. And God's working on your heart this morning. God's trying to take those, those shears this morning. He's trying to cut things out of your life that don't need to be there. He's trying to take things out of your life that should not be there. Things that you're trying to hold on to. Things that you're saying, to, uh, but this is good. This ain't hurting me. This ain't distracting me. It may not be right now. But what happens down the road when it's time for the season when it's time for things to be blooming, is that one thing going to distract you? We had a young man in our church who was a, a very, very big hunter. I'm talking about every, he had every type of dog. He had every type of gun, had every type of dog box, had the vehicles jacked up with the mud tires on it so he could get down any trail uh, to go out and go hunt and had every type of fishing pole that you could think of. I'm talking about all 
during the, uh, during the off deer season, man, he was the most faithful person you could find. But during hunting season, you couldn't find him at all. Everybody knew he was out in them hunting woods. We come back last year, my wife's mother passed away and come back for the funeral. And I was talking to him and he said, God burdened my heart. And he said, I had to get rid of everything. I said, wait a minute, you tell me you got rid of everything. He said, I sold everything. He said, it was taking me away from God. It was distracting me away from God. It was pulling me away from God. He said, I had to get rid of everything. He said, every dog, I sold it. He said, every dog box, I sold it. He said, every, every gun I got rid of except for the pistol that's in my truck. He said, I had to get rid of everything because it was taking me away from God. And there's a reason. There's a reason to be connected with God. And it's so that God can get rid of those things that we don't need in our life. I don't care what it may be this morning. There may be something I'm holding on to and don't even know it yet. And God will have to reveal that to me if there is. But there may be something this morning that you're sitting there thinking in your mind right now. I'd much rather be doing this than sitting in the church house. That may be what God is trying to take out of your life. I'd, I'd much rather go, uh, go here or go there than be in the church house. That may be the thing that God's trying to take out of your life. And there's a reason God has uh, given us an opportunity to come to church on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and just serve Him. And it's so that we can draw closer him, so that we can have a better relationship with Him. I'll tell you this about that relationship. My wife and I have been together almost 19 years. I know I don't look but 20. But we've been together almost 19 years. And uh, I can remember the first time that I saw her. We was in biology class. I was in the 10th grade. And I was sitting in the back of the class. And as y'all can tell, I wear glasses. But back then, I didn't think glasses were cool. And so I would, I would not wear my glasses to school. I didn't want nobody making fun of me for wearing glasses. And I could not see the board. This is, this is the honest truth. I couldn't see the board sitting back of the class. And uh, I, I raised my hand. I saw her. She was the very front seat. I never sat in the front of class. Never. Cool kids don't sit in the front of class. That's, I wasn't about to do it. And I saw her. I said, teacher, I can't see the board. <laughs> This is what he said. He said, there's two seats. He said, there's one over here and there's one right there. And I said, that's my friends, but that girl's prettier than my friends. And I took the seat right beside her. And here's what I'd do. I'd sit in class. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take my test. I wouldn't read out of the textbook. I'd sit there like this. And I'd be staring at her. I, if, if I'm lying, I'm dying. And I ain't dying. I'd stare at her throughout the whole entire class. She had a friend that would sit behind her and she was sitting the same way I was but not looking at me. She was looking the opposite direction. And she'd look back to her friend and say, is that weirdo still staring at me? Her friend would look right up at me and say, yes, he is still staring at you. She had no idea, but we was fitting to get connected. <laughs> she did not know. I knew, but she had no idea. We was fixing to get hooked up. I'm talking about with this relationship and the reason is there's things that you got to take out of your life. If, if, if I, that day, if I would not have saw her, I don't know where I'd be at today without her. She, she's, man, she's, she's amazing. She helps me so much. If any of you men in here got you a good wife, you ought to be thankful you got you a good wife. I, 
Well, I'll, I'll leave that one alone. I'm not going to tell you why I wear long sleeves, but it's to hide bruises. I'm not going to tell anybody that. <laughs> but there's reasons in our life of why God takes things out. God took things out of my life as a 16 and a half year old boy and began to put things like her in my life. She was going to church faithful. She was living for God, singing in her home church. And here's what God did. After, I don't know how many, it might have been two months, I stared her down. Finally, she gave in. Finally, she found the will of God. It took her a while, but she found it. <laughs> Finally, she started talking to me and invited me to her home church. And this is what I told her. I said, I'm not going. I've already tried church. I said, I've already done that. I've already been there. She said, no, you've got to come. You've got to come. And I walked in on a Friday night youth meeting. There was, there was some singing. There was preaching. They got a little wild and crazy in there. And I, I, I told her and I told God, I said, I ain't never going back to that place again. Them church folk are crazy. Sunday morning rolls around. I said, well, I ain't got nothing else to do. I'll just go on back. She invited me anyway. I'll just go. I walked in. Same thing happened. Preacher got up and preached wild as a man. Like a, like a crazy man. Singing, everybody shouting during the singing. I said, I, I'm not going back. Them some crazy folk. Here I am 19 years later. God had to take things out of my life so that God could put other things in my life to help me and to benefit me. Not things that I wanted, but things that He wanted. Y'all ever prayed and you say, Lord, I need your help. God, I... I want you to do this in my life. And God, if you just give me the green light, then I could go do that. And what you're really saying is, God, would you just, would you just bless my desires? I had to learn how to quit praying. Like, I wanted that. I wanted to just pray and think that, hey, whatever I ask for, God will give me. Uh, we, we'll read here in a second that verse here. But that ain't what it's saying. What it's saying is when you pray, you ought to pray in the will of the Father. Ask God, what is it that you want in my life so that I know what to ask for? But there's reasons God takes things out and so that God can put the better things in. I don't know where, I, maybe I saw it on Facebook or something, but there's a, there's a picture somewhere of a, uh, it's a picture of Jesus' hands, if you could say it that way, and he's got them behind his back with a very large teddy bear. And on this side is a little girl with a little small teddy bear, and it's saying just, just get rid of the things that you don't need and let God give you bigger and better things. And you won't never know those bigger and better things if you don't get rid of those things that God's wanting you to get rid of now. I'm not saying it'll be easy. I'm not saying it'll be pleasant. But what I'm saying is when you see what God does in your life and you see what God brings into your life, you'll realize that it was for the better. There's a relationship or a, a, a connection. There's a... Uh, there's a reason, there's a cause, but then we find that there are resources in being in the vine. There's resources in abiding in Him. Look at verse number 5, 6, 7. It says, I, verse number 5, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Let me say this, nobody wants to be told they can do nothing. I don't, I don't know of not one young man that if I was to look at them and tell them, you cannot pick that up or you cannot do this, that pride would want to swell up in their heart. And they'd say, huh, watch this, I can do that. That's, that's just the fleshly part of us. 
We don't want anybody telling us that we cannot do something. But look at this, look at these resources here. Here's, here's the reasons, here's the resources of, of why we need to abide in him. Verse 6, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them in the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Now that sounds like we could pray and whatever we pray, God gives it to us. But that's not how prayer works. I remember praying as a, I, was, I don't know, I might have been in my lower 20s or somewhere around there, 22, and I, I pray and my dream truck was a Ford F-250 white with all black interior. That's what I'd pray. I'd pray, God, I want a white F-250, all black interior. It don't matter if it's the, uh, the it don't matter if it's four-wheel drive, any of that. Just I, That's what I want. I, I'm not going to be too specific, but I do want all black interior. That's what I'd tell him. I'd say, white on the outside, it can have the chrome grill, it can have the black grill, but all black and God, I don't know if you're understanding this or not. That's what I'd pray. That's what I thought prayer was. That ain't how it works. Give your life to God. Find God's will for your life. Begin to pray and God will show you what you ought to be praying for. God will show you those things that you need in your life and how to pray for those things. Not just praying for the selfish things, but praying the things that He wants us to pray and have in our life. Watch this. Verse number 8. This is where we're going to get at. Verse 7 again at the end there. He says, You ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Verse number 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. <clears throat> Why do we pray? Why do we abide in Him? Why do we tell somebody about Jesus? Why do we want to see sinners saved? It is to glorify Him. It's not to glorify ourselves. It's not to brag on ourselves. It's not to brag in what we can do but to brag and give Him glory for what He has already done. Notice some of these resources that we have when we abide in Him. We have a, an unending prayer, verse number 7. It says, Abide in me and my words, abide in you. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. We have an unending prayer life. Do you all know that we can pray whenever we want? God's ear is always open. It does not matter if you're driving down. Now, if you're driving down the road, I'd recommend you keep your eyes open. But uh, I like to pray my eyes closed unless, unless I'm driving. I'd recommend, highly recommend keep your eyes open. There was an old preacher, Brother Earl Hughes, many years ago, he'd come to our home church and uh, he would drive thousands upon thousands of miles to get to a church and preach. And my pastor asked him one time, said, Brother Earl, uh, how do you drive all those miles and not fall asleep? And Brother Earl said, I, I didn't say I don't fall asleep. I just have to know when to wake up. So if you're going to pray, while, or if you're going to close your eyes while praying and driving, just, just know when to wake up. But we have that unending prayer life. Can't we thank God today that, you know, it, we, don't, we don't even have to have good days. To pray, it can be on some of the roughest days, some of the hardest times, 
some of our most discouraging times. It don't always have to be the mountaintops when we pray. It don't always have to be the good times we can pray when we're so far down that we don't even have the words to say. All we can do is say, Dear God, and teardrops begin to fall. God knows exactly what we're saying. God knows exactly what we're in need of. God knows exactly how to come by. And He knows exactly how to help us when we need Him in our lives. Thank God for that unending prayer that we can pray throughout our life. Then in verse number 9, verse number 10, he says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. He said, continue ye. This is Jesus speaking. He said, continue ye in my love. There's an unending love we have. I love my wife and I love my children. But I don't know that I would know how to love them if God hadn't showed me what love really is. I did not grow up in a home that was, uh, we could say, very loving. We did, not, we did not hug each other. We did not go from one room to another and say, I love you. But my wife did. That's how she grew up. Every, every, you could leave the living room and go into the kitchen. They'd say, I love you. The, the, she could walk out the front door and, and just sit on the porch and they'd say, I love you. Every time you walked in the house, they'd want to hug you. And I thought, man, this, I, I didn't grow up like this. But I've got to learn what love really was. It's not always about the handshake or the the hug. It's not always about the word. But I'm glad I've been able to actually see what love is. To see how somebody is supposed to love. And to see how God loves us and how we can love one another. He says right here that we ought to love one another. Sometimes we want to Lord, are you sure you want me to love them? Y'all, y'all have been in those churches where one person sits on this side and the other person sits on this side and they won't have nothing to do with each other. That ain't God. That ain't, that, they're not abiding in God. They're, they're, they're not living for God because God says that we ought to love one another. I'm glad that I have learned through God, through my wife, what love really is. And it's not, not only just that. Now, I, I enjoy a good hug from people that I know. If you're a stranger, I'll take a good old handshake or a fist bump. But my, 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 I'm telling you now, my wife, look at here. My wife will say this. I'll get ready to leave to go somewhere, she, just like her parents. She'll say, I love you. And I'll say this, love you. I'll, she'll say, ah! She said, I love you. And I'll say, I love you. She'll say, that ain't how I said it. I love you. And I'll have to say it exactly how she said it to me before I can walk out of that door, before I can leave. And that's exactly how God is with us this morning. God's in here this morning. He's saying, I love you. And what are you saying back to Him? God may be whispering in your heart, I love you. I know what you've been through. I know where you're heading. I love you. I want to guide you. I want to be with you. I want to speak with you. And how are you sitting this morning? Are you just saying, all right, I love you too. That's not what God's wanting out of our life. God's wanting us to be open and say, I love you too. And God, I appreciate what you've done for me. God, I appreciate where you've guided me. I appreciate where you've taken me from. The life that I used to live, God, thank you for taking me from that. Put me where I am today. 
There's that unending love that God gives us. And then there's an unending joy. Verse number 11. He said, These things I've spoken unto you, that my joy, not our joy, Jesus is speaking, He said, that my joy might remain in you. And then He says that your joy might be full. How? How does God love us so much that He'd give us His Son? He'd give us such joy. That joy, it's hard to come to church. I've been to churches before that say it's just all about emotions. I'm not going back there. But I would say this. How? It's kind of hard for me to understand how you can come to church and not have some sort of emotion. I know that we are not emotionless and we don't, we don't base our religion off of emotions. But when somebody gets to sing and I enjoy the song, my, my lips will curl up and I'll begin to smile. Or maybe my hand will begin to hit my knee. There, there's some sort of emotion there. Maybe my hand will raise from time to time. Maybe my voice will say uh, amen or glory or something. And it's because there's emotions there. I don't know. I don't know how you can serve God and not have some sort of emotion. I don't know how you can serve God and not have some sort of joy deep down in your soul where the emotions just begin to flood out and somebody else begins to see that God's joy is remaining in you. It's an unending joy. It's a joy that does not end. I'll tell you this, on my worst days, I can still give God glory. On my hardest days, on my, in my hardest times, there's no doubt that I've still got something to be thankful for. No doubt in my mind, there's still something. I ain't, I ain't got to think very long. I'm not a good thinker anyway, so thank God I don't have to think very long. Uh, but even on my worst days, I can just close my eyes and say, Oh yeah, God, thank you for blessing me. God, thank you for my home. God, thank you for a pillow under my head. I didn't have to sleep on a stone or under a rock. I didn't sleep under a bridge last night. God, thank you for being so good to me. That joy might remain. That your joy might be full. This morning, you've got joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. You might be thinking, how? How did I get where I am today? How did I get where I, how, how did I get seated or seating in the right place? How how am I sitting in the church this morning? And maybe it's because you're abiding in Him. And he's abiding in you. Maybe it's because that relationship's there. Maybe it's because there's a reason God's taking things out of your life to put good things in your life. And you got these resources here. you got this love. you got this joy that God's given you. What are you going to do for Him this morning? God's given you so much. What are you going to turn around and give him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, as we close out the message this morning, God, that you've spoken to hearts, and God, help them and encourage them. God, please touch, Lord, now as we turn it back over to the pastor. God, bless him, bless this church. Thank you for letting us come here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.